That's right. Let's go. Let's do this on this Thursday. Your 1-0 Sacramento Kings Thursday. Feeling good about what we saw last night, what you heard, how you watched the game, how you took it all in, and it's just the start of the journey. We always say that. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the journey. There's going to be tips, uh, you know, twists and turns, lots of different things going on. But the Kings have started out in a promising way, so much so that uh, we're fired up about it. We're going to talk a lot about it now, between now and 5 o'clock, because at 5, we have Thursday Night Football to kickstart Week 7 of the National Football League. Broncos and Browns, so many injuries for Cleveland. They're going to play without uh, Baker Mayfield, but they will uh, give it a go. Case Keenum tonight uh, when the Browns take on the Broncos. Today on the show, uh, we're going to get our first visit with the head coach, Luke Walton, his weekly appearance. Coach Walton set to join us in about 30 minutes. Chris, I'm thinking back to last year when uh, Coach joined us. Every time uh, we brought him on, Doug would sing to him. I don't think uh, – you want to sing to him? I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't think I want to either. Oh, we'll see. Maybe that was just a Doug thing. I mean, they didn't. They had a losing record last year, so. Yeah, but they had a good rapport, and obviously Doug's now on the on the okay. bench, and it's uh, all these – all things are good. They just can't – we got all the stats favoring the Kings right now. When Mo works the the TV, when Doug's on the sideline, like things are good. Okay. And, and by the way, the players played well too. You know, uh, I stopped watching when there was about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was mm-hmm. like easy win, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Good old fashioned three point blowout. Exactly how it played out. Yeah, we've got a lot to dissect from that. Uh, we'll start out by telling you Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. So a full breakdown of the game last night. Obviously, as we mentioned, Coach Walton will join us at 3.30. Uh, there's more news. <laughs> more news on the Ben Simmons front. Oh, boy. I had said the other day, where's Daryl Morey? Why is he not speaking? Why are these other people speaking for him? Oh, he said stuff today. Uh, we'll let you hear some of the things he had to say. Uh, a lot more reaction, like we said, to the season opening win. And uh, we will get into uh, the closing parts of the show with the crossover. So plenty of things for us to discuss, but let's start you out with First Things First. First Things First. Close things first. Fox, he's at the logo, being challenged by McCollum. Gives it up to heel. Double team, gives to Holmes, back out to Fox, swings to the corner. There's Barnes wide open. He's got a career high eighth three-pointer of the ball game. Kings lead 120 to 114. 34 points also equals a career high for Harrison Barnes. Now can the defense rise to the occasion? 123-121. Here's the second one. He's got them both. No timeout available for Portland. They've got to go the length of the floor. They need three. Will the Kings foul? Here comes Lillard. Step back. Straight away, 30-footer. Rims it. Doesn't get it. Fox had it. Lost it. Horn sounds. Ball game's over. And the Kings steal one in Portland on opening night from the Trailblazers. Sacramento, after an unbeaten preseason, after an unbeaten summer league in Las Vegas, starts the 82-game grind with a narrow three-point victory in Portland, 124-121. Only the 13th regular season win by the Kings in Portland in 73 attempts. All right, well, yeah, let me start by uh, saying that's a good win. Uh, that's it, it is hard to come up to Portland and get a win, so very pleased with that. Uh, we got a lot to, to take away from that game and uh, a lot to, to learn from. But it's always better to, to try to learn some of these lessons and still be able to pull off a win, especially for uh, you know, a younger team like ours that, that's on uh, where we're at right now. So 
uh, really happy with our first half and uh, our defensive effort. And then I'm not very pleased at all with how we played uh, defense and we, the, the details of, of our defense in the second half. And I, and I get it that that's, that's a tough team to guard. Uh, but we have to be better. Uh, and, you know, it's look, we, Damian Lillard had a chance to tie the game up. And most nights he's going to hit that. So we don't want to be in that situation after uh, a game that we played so well and so hard. But it is nice to keep that momentum going forward. Uh, and be able to get back into into the gym and, and learn from things with a win under our belt. Much more coming up with Coach Walton at the bottom of the hour in his first appearance on the weekly Coach Luke Walton show. Yeah, there's a lot to like from the game last night, but also what's encouraging to me, and we'll kind of dive into this deeper when we get some player reaction, coach reaction from both sides, from the Blazers and from the Kings, is that there is room for growth. There is room for improvement. It was not a perfect game. And no one expected that, but I actually, I thought the first half, the Kings looked really good. Offense was sound and sharp. I loved how many times they got to the free throw line in the beginning part of the game. In fact, the first half, they got there 21 times. That was their best half all of last year. So there was an aggressive tone, an attacking mentality. Um, I don't think they stopped doing that. Obviously, Harrison Barnes got crazy hot in the second half, shooting threes in that third quarter and in the, the totality of the second half. I honestly think they didn't get as many whistles. And when that part happens, if you're the aggressive team, you should get some sort of reward there. Now, Portland was the desperate team, right? When you get down by 18 at home, you're either getting run out of the gym or you're going to make it interesting, which a lot of times in the NBA teams make it interesting. So I'm going to be curious to talk to Coach Walton today about some of the things he did say post game about the second half defense. He really referred to the the details of the defense because to me it it wasn't it didn't look like a collapse to me it looked like portland was desperate made a few more plays and then even inside of that run that portland was in a couple different times another play here or there for the kings keeps that at that 8 9 10 11 range and makes it much more comfortable well, obviously there was that late game horrific turnover um, where it still felt like the game was over, and then that play, then you realize, wait, this still very much a chance the Kings can not only uh, lose, uh, but they could lose in regulation. And making free throws at the end was important. Uh, I would have liked to have, me personally, seen them foul Dame Lillard, though the argument is, hey, he's 0 for 8. He's not going to – he'll miss again. I know I had to hold my breath when Dame was shooting his ninth three-point attempt, but he missed. It was a night – you had to take advantage of that. CJ was really, really good. Nurkic woke up in the second half. But I think the things that we have talked about, the things that I addressed yesterday that I liked so much about this team to begin the year, the continuity of having players in these situations before with the same team, the comfortability now to identify the personnel and what they want to utilize, right? We see Buddy Heald coming off the bench. I thought Buddy was really good. It was a really sound and smart game from Buddy Heald. I know what got a lot of attention was Marvin not being in the rotation, but still that's identifying that Tristan Thompson's value to this team, playing all of the guards, getting the most that you can out of Mo Harkless, but still getting uh, Barnes to contribute in the way he did, and then counting on the rookie, Davion Mitchell, Terrence Davis, Buddy, Fox, Halliburton. I just like the roster makeup. I like that they've been through the battles. Of course, I haven't even mentioned Rashawn Holmes. How great was he? I mean, they don't run anything for him. And here he is getting another steady, solid, good double-double, plus 20, by the way, in the plus-minus. It was a really um, needed win, I'd say, just to start the year, feel good about everything that they had been building. And for those that would 
don't know if people made fun of it because that's not really fair. It's nice to go and compete in the summer league and win. You win the whole thing. It's not the entire roster that's here, but it was a culture. It was an identity. It was a process that they were going through. Um, what, what what are the stuff you hear that's coming out of Kings players, coaching staff, stacking days? And what they mean by that is, okay, today we're good. Let's stack on top of it and let's make it better tomorrow and then better the next day. Well, that's kind of what happens when you have a good summer league. Not all the same players, but that mentality as all the uh, regulars were watching that. Then you get into a preseason. Do you have to win those games? No. But when you're trying to build something, when you're trying to stack days, when you're trying to get out of a spot that they've been in for 15 consecutive years, I think it's important to stack those days and to get rewards with a positive result. This would have ended up being a very bad loss. It was not a loss. It's a win where you can clean things up. Barnes was terrific. Holmes was great. Fox was good. Uh, Down the line, I like the bench. And, you know, we say, well, Dame had an off night. Do we say it? Right? There's the first of the opposing guards that was off. Now, he wasn't guarded completely the whole time by Davion Mitchell. But if the team's goal is to be a top 15 defense, to make it difficult on opposing teams, that's the stuff that needs to happen. One of their better players needs to be off. And Dame was. Credit to the Kings' defense. CJ was good. But I'd rather CJ be good and Dame be off than the other way around. We've seen the other way around. Dame has come into the building multiple times and dropped 40 or more. And it's just too much. It's too much to handle. And so they didn't completely unravel. I think because they've been in battles before, um, they seemed poised and watched a a good-sized lead dwindle. But making just enough free throws, just enough plays to get a very important win just to start because that would have been a bad loss. Now, 1-0, really, in the grand scheme of things, you know, tomorrow night, they could be 2-0, they could be 1-1. You know, I, I don't know where this is going to go for them. Last year had a really promising 2-0 start before uh, some rocky times hit them right away. And then, you know, the season kind of settled in. I just feel based – I'm using that word continuity a lot with this team. I feel based on having all the past experiences, so many of the same players back – a clear definition of roles has put this team to begin the season in their best possible position, and then the players are doing it. And it was a fun night, entertaining basketball. I loved the first half defense. I really did. Now, I know the results of the second half with, what, 72 points? That's too much. But it wasn't, to me, a question of effort or lack of focus, just, the, as Coach Walton said, the details of the defense. So what was that? And you'll even hear later in the show, uh, compliments, I would say, from Chauncey Billups about what, you know, their whole goal, too, in Portland, they were down there with the Kings as the bottom defenses in the league, was to get better defensively. And he talked about how the Kings got so many paint touches and moved the ball and really forced their defense to work. Um, and it pushed them. It tested them. And they were chasing the game. So it was nice for the Kings to dictate the terms of the game, to have the lead the majority of the game, to look like the team that was going to win, and then to ultimately still get the win. Because these all these things I'm saying sound different if you lose. They just do. And they would be positives. They would be things they could build on. But it is a world of difference if you just win the game. And they did. And I think they deserve to. There was a lot of good things in the game. But it has to get better. And that's what you hope. Stacking days, right? So we're going to talk a lot about that, about the Kings' performance last night, about where they're going tomorrow in their home opener against the Utah Jazz so uh, plenty more for us to discuss here. And again, Luke Walton joining us 
in about uh, 20 minutes or so at the bottom of the hour. First things first. All right, tonight in the NBA, the Kings are off, of course, before they get their home opener tomorrow. It is a three-game night in the league, and the only reason of, of note, I would say, for this is there's still four teams that have yet to start. And we'll see two of them hooking up together in Atlanta. It's the Mavericks and the Hawks. Uh, the Bucks, who have already played, the champs are back at it for their second game. They will take on the Heat in Miami. Miami's a team to watch. I, I really like their roster. I think more people are looking at the Nets, uh, the Bucks, understandably the 76ers. But Miami, with Lowry in there and just player development and consistently well-coached, just watch that team. Watch how they do this year. Uh, that's the second of the three games scheduled tonight. And the other one is the Clippers, who have yet to get started this year. They will take on the Warriors uh, in San Francisco. That game is the nightcap of the day. Remember, the Kings will face the Warriors Sunday here at home as well. Clippers are a team of intrigue to me as well. It was a good team last year, a really good team last year, really good team the last couple of years, and they've fallen short in the playoffs. Two years ago was probably more disappointing than last year. Last year was more understandable after they lost Kawhi Leonard. But they kind of found a groove with some of their other players. I think that's a team to watch because so much of what they want to do, so much of when they can be their best, is with Kawhi Leonard, understandably so. So with him out, with Paul George really leading a team, and he's done that before. Paul George knows how to handle that. Watch them, though. Watch if there's bumps in the road, if it's a slow start. I, I don't expect any big turnover or changes there as far as I'm not suggesting, you know, Ty Lue's in trouble, not by any means. But I think this was a team last year a lot of people thought could win the Western Conference. And really for two years. The way they have it now and the injury to Kawhi, I do not think they can. I just don't. Roster's still good. Um, still really good. But now it's just roll, when roles are changed like that. I mean, look at their opening day starting lineup likely tonight. I'm guessing it's going to be Bledsoe, who's a new piece. Uh, probably Reggie Jackson. Certainly Paul George. You'll see Zubats and likely Morris, Marcus Morris, uh, with Batum uh, scheduled to be out tonight. They're still waiting on Ibaka. Uh, let's see who else they have. Terrence Mann will be nice for them. Luke Kennard, Justice Winslow. Just where it rounds out in depth and lengthens the lineup is Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, he was an immense talent, but it just kind of pushes everything down a peg. And another reason why I think the Kings, going back to them, are in a better position. As much as people wanted to get caught up in the, wow, Marvin's not in the rotation. Yeah, he's not right now. And that could change. I I don't know where that's going to go. But Marvin can play. There's no doubt he can play. He's not, but he can start. No doubt he can. He's not. These are things, to me, that point to a healthier, well-balanced, deeper roster, and I think you got a good version of Buddy off the bench. Marvin didn't play yesterday. His time may come, may not, may get traded. Who knows? But the team will go on, as will Marvin, whether it's here or somewhere else, and I think they're just in a better position overall uh, right now. So the Clippers... Watch that. Watch how they go. Watch how they start. Again, they get the Warriors tonight. Milwaukee at Miami and Dallas at Atlanta. All right, more first things first. First things first. First things first. Thursday night football. We've got it for you here on KHK to start week seven. That follows us at five o'clock. Broncos and Browns. Both teams have played six games. Both teams are three and three. I have uh, Browns. Our team I really, really like when healthy. They are not healthy. They've got a mess. The only positive sign 
They're getting Jarvis Landry back ahead of tonight's game. But Baker Mayfield, who has been a consistent starter for them, up and down, but he's started. He's been the one that's guided that team. He is out. Nick Chubb is out. Kareem Hunt is out. Odell Beckham is questionable. That's a lot of offensive talent for the Browns that's going to be missing on a team that I do think is pretty good, that has a close call loss to Kansas City last week, lost to Arizona. There are also other losses to the Chargers with wins over Houston, Chicago, and Minnesota. At 3-3, three and three, the Broncos, you know, when the season started, I said that was my one team to kind of watch as one of those teams that did not have a good year the year before but could turn it around, and where I thought they could was based on having Teddy Bridgewater. Now, they took advantage of a very favorable schedule to start with wins over the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets, and then since have lost to uh, they lost to the Ravens, they lost to the Steelers, and they lost to the Raiders. Teddy Bridgewater, there's some question mark. Looks like he will go. And he will start. That's big. And the winner here um, kind of keeps things in order. Gets Stays above 500. Loser has to do some some soul searching, especially if it's the uh, Broncos. Because that 3-0 start with that easier schedule. Now you go, wait, you've lost four in a row. You played an opposing team without a starting quarterback. Um, but it's a road game. Thursday night travel games can be tough for that road team. And that road team is Denver. But check out all the action tonight right here. Sports 1140 KHDK as we get you started at five o'clock. First things first. First things first. first. Center field. That ball's hit well. Heredia going back on it. And he makes the play to end the game. The Atlanta Braves are one win away from their first World Series appearance since 1999. They win game four, nine to two. I thought yesterday. When watching the Dodgers dugout two days ago, watching their reaction in the post game, watching the fan reaction, we mentioned yesterday the Bellinger home run felt like a season saver, a series saver, all of that. Then you get yesterday's game, and the Braves go right back to doing what they've been doing to the Dodgers, and they take them out nine to two. Now I know the I know the thought process probably for Dodger fans, and they should think this way. You have a great baseball team. The Dodgers are very good. You're in trouble. You're down 3-1. Yes, you did it last year to the Atlanta Braves when you were down 3-1. The Dodgers, are a couple of things are going wrong. It just feels like they are out of sync of what they would want to do. If I remember right, last year when they were down 3-1, they they still had their pitching staff kind of in in store and and kind of the way they wanted to go. Today, they're going to do a bullpen game. So Joe Kelly's going to start. I know that fires up Chris. But Joe Kelly's going to start. The Braves are starting their best pitcher, Max Freed. Um, the Dodgers also get news about Justin Turner. He had been banged up, hamstring injury, re-aggravated, likely done for the rest of the postseason. That's just another piece. We were just talking about it earlier with the Clippers, lengthening your roster, lengthening your depth. Well, the Dodgers are better with Turner. And maybe someone else will come in and get the big hits. That's the way baseball works. But it's it's now feeling like things are starting to stack up against him. The Braves have outplayed him. You're running out of games. You're running out of opportunities. There's no margin for error. And without saying, obviously, you have to win three straight. And it starts with one, I do not like their setup today. Doesn't mean they can't win. Braves have the starter that can give them innings. Uh, the Dodgers are going bullpen game. But um, if any team is capable, it's certainly the Dodgers. It is. 
But, you know, even the last time, if this series gets extended, Max Scherzer's last outing, he's like, my arm is dead. Um, Walker Bueller, an ace, got hit in his last game. Urias pitching yesterday got hit. The, the Braves have had more answers. They also have that wound still fresh from losing last year three games to one. So the Dodgers are going to have to repeat that. And it's a one-day-by-day basis, obviously. Because it doesn't matter if you win today and lose game six, you're gone. Or you lose game seven, you're still out. You just got to keep pushing this if you're the Dodgers and if you're the Braves. Do not let this team up. I thought they let them up. That was a bad loss for the Braves in game three. A really bad loss. And yet they responded. I mean, Rosario with two more home runs yesterday. So they're getting to the Dodgers' strength. This is their pitching. Dodgers have not hit as well as they normally do in the postseason. But that's kind of standard, right? Much like we were praising the Red Sox. Oh, my gosh, how hot are these bats? How are the Astros even going to win? Well, you get some better pitching, cool off the bats, and the Astros have won the last couple of games. And that's so, what their uh, Apple Eye uh, watches. Yeah? Yeah. They ran out of batteries or what? Uh, a little tinkering. Just not getting the intel uh, or getting too much intel. So Braves, Dodgers tonight, 5.08 first pitch. Setup is better for Atlanta. The lead is for Atlanta uh, Dodgers are capable. They did it last year. Feels It feels different. Maybe we're prisoner of the moment because it's right now, but injuries, poor performance, tired arms, whether the Dodgers, Giants, emotional series took something out of them, it doesn't matter. All of it is a factor. The Braves have outplayed them. The Braves have just flat out outplayed them. Uh, Dodgers in a must-win tonight, or Atlanta is going on to the World Series. All right, let's get you more. First things first. First things first. First things first. On its way home, and a ground ball right side. Gurriel to the bag, and the Astros take game five and lead this best of seven series three games to two. Yeah, Joe Buck on the call there yesterday, and what a flip in the last two games at Fenway, and it really started in the eighth inning of game four. So if you go back uh, to game one, Houston won a, a good emotional series at home, um, emotional game, excuse me, five to four, game one. Boston more than responded. Remember how loud their bats were? They had all those grand slams in games two and game three. And 21 runs. Let me look at the number here. Nine. Yes, 21 runs over two games. And after the Astros set a tone, I thought, in game four at Fenway, scoring in the top of the first, Boston gets two in the bottom. And you're like, oh, man, man, Boston's at bat. This is just maybe it's a case where pitching's not going to win here. These bats are too good, too hot. From that point on, nothing has happened for Boston. You get to the eighth inning where the series, to me, shifted in game four. Altuve's home run. Then the ninth inning, just monumental collapse by the Red Sox and a lack of a true closer and back into the bullpen has hurt this team. Seven runs in that ninth inning. So now Boston and Houston are tied at two, and Houston just kind of got away from all those things, all that negative stuff that was going against them, seeing Boston at Grand Slam after Grand Slam, huge deficit losses, and Dusty Baker said it. It's just one win. I mean, it could be 20 to nothing. It hurts. It's bad. It's embarrassing. It's just one win. So then Boston loses that fourth game. Astros even it. Yesterday, the swing game. Finally, the Astros get a quality start, right, all the way to eight innings through, and their offense just kept cooking. Jordan Alvarez, a couple of huge hits against Chris Sale, and then you've got Boston now in trouble as the Red Sox lost that one 9-1. Astros with the win, and it's 3-2.
Game six tomorrow, Houston with two cracks at home to try to win it. They're going to go with the rookie, uh, Luis Garcia, uh, to start game six against the Red Sox tomorrow night with a, a trip to the World Series in store for Houston if they win. All right, you're caught up on all things there. First things first, but so much more to get into on the Sacramento Kings and their thrilling season opening win. When we come back, we'll visit with a head coach. Luke Walton will join us. That is next right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. For Portland, Buddy Heald has just knocked down the three-pointer on the left angle that has tied the Sacramento Kings franchise record for made threes. He is even with Peja Stojakovic at 1,070 in their respective careers. Another pretty cool moment last night. I also like the fact, by the way, that Buddy got there, tied Peja, and now the door is open for him to do it at home. Two home games in a row, just one more three Buddy needs to make to have the all-time Sacramento era and Sacramento Kings history of the Kings right threes are taken way more now than they used to be um, so he will have the record he has that opportunity tomorrow to break it in front of the home crowd and buddy was a really good player off the bench yesterday I loved his floor game he was in in closing time right we we how many times have we said this before by the way um, where people get caught up I'm guilty of it too like who's starting what's the starting lineup oh my goodness how many minutes buddy didn't start buddy played the third most minutes on the team, 30 minutes and 52 seconds. And he was really good. I thought, buddy, let's look at his overall stat line from yesterday. As, by the way, we're waiting to catch up with the head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton. Uh, hopefully he will be here shortly for his weekly visit. Uh, buddy's final stat line, 30 minutes, 52 seconds, 5 of 9, 4 of 7 from 3, missed one free throw, 3 of 4, did have 6 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, no turnovers. He was a plus 5 in the plus minus department. And one of the things that we'll probably talk to coach about that he has addressed as an important factor in playing the three guards is the ability to rebound and defend. And the first half, I thought the defense was as good and sharp as we've seen in a long, long time. And I know it's been a point of emphasis, but they got rewarded with that with really good results. And you could just see a different intensity to the Kings on that end, a commitment to it, some breakdowns, but also, let's remember, too, there were a couple of plays where C.J. McCollum would just score over good defense. So, Kings, Kings too, right? I think the, the beauty of the NBA, maybe frustration for really good defensive players, can be doing everything right or having the right principles, having everybody in the right rotations, and yet the defense still scores on you. I think where the last three to four years what we've seen is there have been a lot of defensive complete breakdowns, straight line drives. Can the first guy on the ball make it more difficult so you don't need multiple help? If it does happen, then are you in principle? Is everybody kind of understanding where you're helping, knowing your personnel? Who do we leave open if we have to double team? Look like we saw a lot of double teams last night on Dame Lillard to make it more difficult on him. They got results like that. I think that looked to be the philosophy in Damian Lillard, 8 of 24, 0 of 9 beyond the arc, was a distributor, right? When he's getting doubled, he, he could still hurt you as a passer. He did have 11 assists. So he was very good there. 20 points. That's below his norm. And certainly the three-point shooting, 0 for 9, well below his normal numbers. So there's a lot of good takeaways from last night's game. And 
I think if they could continue this, and you know, when we play the audio a little bit later, I think around 4 o'clock we're going to get to some of that from uh, the current players, some of the reaction from Portland and the loss, about what they're – I mean, you can almost hear it universally. Everybody keeps using that term, stacking days. Um, defense, defense, defense. It's what they've talked about, and I think that has helped, and something I will ask Coach Walton about, the, the continuity of being able to – all right, we're, we're not really coming in to learn a new system here. These guys, for the most part, if you look at the starting lineup last night, Barnes, Harkless, Holmes, Halliburton, Fox, all here a year ago. And some of them, Barnes for a while, Holmes for a while, Fox for a long while. Uh, then your next group coming off the bench, Tristan Thompson, a veteran of the league, new here. Buddy Heald, has been here the longest tenured king. Davion Mitchell, brand new rookie, but seems to get it, right? He, he He's the most NBA-ready prospect amongst all the draftees. And then Terrence Davis who had been here last year. So you're not introducing a lot of new things as far as players to get fully comfortable with, to understand what you're trying to do on a game-by-game basis. Now what can you do when you start camp? All right, defense. We're locking in. This is our point of emphasis on practices, on games. This is the area that has hurt the team. This is the area that has to get better. And certainly, they have done that. They've addressed it. They've looked good in doing that, and they have to add on and continue to get better there. So, one down, a lot more to go, but a positive start to begin the year for the Sacramento Kings. All right, we're going to see when we can get coach here in just a moment. want to cover a few other things, too, just from the NBA last night. We will get back into the Kings, I promise you, because there's there's too much stuff there uh, to talk about regarding the Sacramento Kings. Um, but I think what's of note is some latest developments on the Ben Simmons situation. And if you think about where this has gone and how long it's dragged on, oh, we may just be getting started. And here's why we're saying that. Uh, Obviously, the other day, a lot of people were talking about Ben Simmons' um, lackluster performance at a a portion of video that we saw from practice. Ben Simmons is in sweats. Other guys were in sweats, but he's – Uh, going through the motions, has a cell phone in his pocket. Uh, The team gathers at the end of practice. He's not in the huddle. Uh, They break huddle. Guys are staying on the floor to get extra shots. Ben goes right to the locker room. The very next day, Ben Simmons is in a situation where um, he's kicked out of practice and basically just told to get home, go home. You're not participating. This is not what we're looking for, and it's not going to work. So, what I had said then, that's fine. Put Joel Embiid on camera. He's going to say, I don't have any feelings for that man. You can have Doc Rivers try to defend him, saying we're going to make it work. Where's management? Where's the decision makers? Where's Daryl Morey? Well, today, uh, Daryl Morey was on, this was a radio station, Chris, in Philly? Uh, Mike Missinelli's show, 97.5 The Fanatic. All right, thank you for that. So that's in Philadelphia. And here's Daryl Morey um, talking about what they're looking for if they do a trade for Ben Simmons. Right now, any sort of trade, which obviously Ben Simmons wants, uh, the best thing we can do is get role players back. Um, That makes no sense. That will give us no better chance to win the title if we were to move Ben Simmons for role players. So people should buckle in. I mean, this this could this is going to go a long time because our our only path, my only job is to help us give the best chance to win the title. Uh, ben Simmons is a difference maker, so if we can get him back, he will help us win the title. If we can trade Ben Simmons for a difference maker, we will do it. I think that's best for everyone in this situation. 
okay. There's going to be much more on that. Buckle up. That's what Daryl Morey said. We'll talk more about that. But we were talking about the Kings, talking about their great night, how they began 1-0. and And let's do it with our first weekly visit with the head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton, joining us on the show. Luke, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, sorry for being a little bit late. We're in a meeting that just kind of ran over, but it's good to be back on. Well, we appreciate that, and congratulations on the start. I know uh, hearing some of the things you said in the post game. Uh, you like to get the reward because I think you guys did a lot of good things. There's still things I know you know you can do better, but to still in the end get the reward, how valuable is is it to have probably more positives, but yet most importantly a win? Yeah, it's important, and just because we you know we have a lot of good 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 uh, good things going for us right now, and uh, it's easier to continue with that momentum uh, coming off a game that we should have won with how we played. Um, you know, in, in finishing that with a with a win, so the, especially that first win of the season, um, you know, it, it makes coming back home and getting ready for the next one uh, that much more enjoyable. Coach, this is something I've been saying, and obviously you would know far better than me. But my uh, opinion of watching you guys and watching the situation you have of continuity is so beneficial. I, I think it's allowed you to clearly define roles. We, we've we seen what you've done there as far as who's in your, your top of your rotation, even a move of Buddy to the bench. Um, but it, uh, so many of these guys have played together for you. Uh, what has continuity from camp to preseason to now afforded you to do? Well, it's, it's, it's really allowed us to get into the next layers of what we're trying to accomplish um, from, you know, the style of play to the actual play calling to, um, to really understanding each other. And, you know, I've said a lot, there's, you know, there's two ways to win in in the league and you either, you know, trade for all stars and sign max players, or you build from within and, and, and build something special. And to build something special and to do it from within, which is what we're doing here in SAC, is, um, you know, it takes that continuity and it takes time because you're, you have to learn all these, these uh, you know, these little, these little uh, details about each other and about the system that you're trying to run. And now it's, it's nice to be, you know, a couple years into it where we can kind of get to camp and, and hit the ground running and not have to implement a whole new system. Coach, one of the things you said post-game, you liked the defense not as much in the second half. Obviously, the results, you get up 18. Either you're running away with this thing or Portland's going to make a run, and they certainly did. But you referenced details of defense in the second half. What were those things? What were you missing on the details of defense in the second half? Yeah, well, you're you're absolutely right with that. And most times, the other team is going to go on a run, especially when they're you know the talent level of Portland. Um, but we have to, where I where you know where I get a little frustrated, and where we have to get better. Uh, we have to understand is, you know, these teams are going to go on a run anyways. There's just that much talent on a lot of these teams. We can't help them go on those runs. And when you look in the second half, there was plenty of clips we showed our guys today where we tried to shortcut and CJ would pop to the corner and get a three or we didn't match up coming out of a timeout and Damian Lillard just threw the ball right under the under the basket for a layup. Um, little things like that are where we have to, you know, cut two points here, two points there, which add up at the end of the night. Um, and, and it's look, it's natural to mentally let up when you build a nice big lead. 
Uh, but we have to learn from that and, and grow from that um, if we're going to be a consistent, uh, consistent team. I don't know if it's a it's a case by case study. I love basketball strategies, just sports strategy in general. Um, Dame hadn't made a three all night. You're up three after the made free throws. Was there any thought process at all as, as potentially fouling him? Which we know the dangers of that too. But any thought about that? Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's look, I, I'm especially with them being out of timeouts. With the other teams out of timeouts, I'm I'm, I'm all for playing the, the foul game. Uh, the problem you run into when it's coming down live like that with a shooter like Dame, who has proven to the referees and to the league that he can pull up from half court and make shots, is you don't want to foul right away, right away because you want time to come off the clock. Um, but as soon as he gets a little bit of space and you're near half court, if you foul and he he reads it, he's getting three free throws. So uh, we had Mo on him who, you know, Mo obviously played with him, knows him, has the length. Uh, ideally, I wouldn't like Dame to get that shot off. Um, but Mo got a good contest. It was a tough shot. And, uh, it, you know, it fell our way. As we're talking with head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton, on his weekly appearance. Coach, uh, speaking of one thing on the officials, you know, we're not there. We're not privy to, to hear what's going on. I, I thought it made sense for Coach Billups to challenge that and one to Buddy but they gave the foul, but not the continuation. Did you get an explanation on that one? No, they they were right. I mean, I, it's, look, it's it's a, you know that's one of the rules that's changed over the last couple of years, and it, it's really all about when the gather happens. Now, and it's a split second from in the gather is in most cases is considered when you get both hands on the ball, and if the foul happens before that, it's no longer a shooting foul. Where in the history of the NBA, that's always been part of until recently um so by challenging it he still lost the challenge because you you can't challenge whether it was before or after the gather you can only challenge the foul and the foul happened so they lost their time out because they lost the challenge but they did we did have to take it out on the side uh because what they saw in the replay was that the foul occurred before buddy had got both hands on the ball uh, speaking of that, too, of calls, uh, first half, Coach, you got to the line 21 times. That was matching your best half all of last year. Um, the ability to get there is one thing. You got some whistles, probably more in the first than the second half. What were you guys doing offensively that created all that uh, chaos and, and fouls on the Blazers? Yeah, well, we, we were playing fast. Uh, we were making quick decisions. We were, you know, we were, we were putting a, we were trying to get into the paint as often as, as possible and De'Aaron does a, a great job of it, but it's really a team. Uh, it's really a team thing. It's one of the things we've been preaching all all camp, and, and really since we've been here. But it's been nice to see it, you know, start to kick in recently. Is uh, you know, it, the, one of the beautiful things about basketball is everything's connected, right? So like those lanes are only open because we have Harrison and we have Buddy and we have Mo sprinting to the deep corners. So when you get to the deep corners it's a lot harder to, to clog the lane for people like De'Aaron and Tyrese to drive. You with me still? Yeah, I still got you. Okay. Um, so what we were doing was we were creating great space and then De'Aaron, Tyrese, these guys, TD, like we were moving the ball and attacking quickly. And it's just tough. You put a lot of pressure on other teams' defenses when you can do, when you can do that before their defense has the ability to get set. 
And, uh, and yeah, we, you know, that's the way we want to play. And we did a good job of it uh, last night. You obviously, uh, you have to kind of the players, you put them out there, you want to believe in them, you get their trust and, and so on and so forth, back and forth. You, you put out uh, Davion Mitchell a lot in the game and late in the game. What has the rookie done to impress you and to have you fully, uh, fully trust him out there when he's on the floor? Yeah, yeah he works extremely hard. Uh, he's proven it to us so far in summer league. He's proven it to us so long, so far in practice, uh, in preseason games. And now he's, uh, you know, he needs the experience of, of these regular season games. And eventually the next step after regular season games is playoff type of games. Um, so, it, you know, with him, it's just, you know, the more he can get out there and get that experience, the quicker he's going to learn those situations. And so far he's succeeded in, in all of those. So uh, there's no reason to believe that he, he won't succeed in this as well. Um, but it's great to be able to get him those type of minutes in those type of close, uh, those close games in those in those uh, tough environments like Portland is. I know you uh, have full trust in Harrison Barnes. He's been so good for you. Uh, his best game professionally, career high thirty six yesterday. Post game, you said, Coach, you, you you're more than comfortable with him taking, and you want him to take eight threes a night. He took eleven and made eight. He got crazy hot. What does that number mean for him to? to be launching that many for for your offense well we we you know he, he's a very good shooter he shot you know around 40 last year and uh you know all those threes he took last night every single one of them in my opinion was a good a good three uh a good three-point attempt uh so we just continue you know to really show him uh, on film and talk to him about uh, embracing the fact that he's a great shooter. And if anyone ever goes under on him, that's a good shot for him. And that's a good shot for our, for our offense. And, you know, when he's scoring the ball, it just gives us a, a, another, uh, you know, a, another a tool that makes us really hard to defend. And, you know, I, I said eight threes in the press conference. You know, what I've told him is six to eight threes a game is okay. what, you know, are a reasonable numbers that he should uh, he should be able to get good threes. We don't want him forcing any. And I don't. I, he shot 11 last night, and I don't, I don't think he forced any. Uh, but the good thing was I also don't think he, he passed up on any. And, and that's really what we're looking for with, with Harrison. Coach, I think we've all, and you've played in the league, obviously, and have seen it happen where a guy runs out of a shoe. I've seen that, but I haven't seen the, the next move be a, a player dribble off the shoe. That was really bizarre and a, a strange sequence. You ever seen anything like that? I haven't, and it was unfortunate because that was a uh, that was a big part of a uh, big time in the game right there. Uh, his shoe popped out a couple times. I'll, I'll have to have a talk with him about uh, getting back to the bay. We'll go John Wooden, and, and we'll take some time to, <laughs> yes. to to show them how to put their socks on and then how to put their shoes, how to tie their shoes properly afterwards. Yeah, have your dad come in and give that lesson that uh, Coach Wooden did. Um, <laughs> All right, well, tomorrow, Utah, I mean, you know it. There's no rest in the league. There's never an easy night. That's just not the way the league works. Utah's a really good team, another team that has continuity, core principles, uh, just a really seasoned and smart team. Uh, What are the challenges for the Jazz tomorrow? Yeah, great test for us. And, and, you know, I'd say even right now, this early in the season, because of that continuity and that health, um, I'd probably say them and Milwaukee are probably the two best teams in the league right now. Um, and, and it's it's going to be a great challenge for our guys. It's our home opener. We'll get our fans back. 
Um, so it should be a lot of fun for us, but we have to be ready. I mean, these guys are a machine and how they play, uh, and they've been doing it for years together now. So uh, we got to be ready uh, to, to really play at a high level, and the game will change from a, a Portland defense that was blitzing uh, all pick and rolls and rotations to a defense that's in a deep drop where everything is, is funneled to Gobert. And uh, that changes the offensive philosophy as far as the type of plays we run, but our general philosophy of getting out fast and attacking before their defense can get set will uh, really get tested tomorrow because that's where we'll, we will have an advantage if we can if we can put our uh, you know our will on the game. Yeah, how do you find that balance? Because you don't want to be afraid of Gobert, but. That you're right. They want to funnel you there so he can dictate the terms of the paint. Uh, what's what's the fine line there of attacking him but not being too bold where it, it hurts you? Yeah, you, you just we're trying to create good shots every time down. And if you're going to go in there and attack, you've got to go in there uh, physically and, and and really try to um, get into his chest and, and finish at the rim or shoot one of those floaters uh, before you get to him. But uh, you know, a big part of our, our strength is, is pick and roll with the amount of guards we have. Um, tomorrow night's game, if he's going to be in a dr- big drop, we have to look to uh, get get off-ball screening going and, and uh, wide wide screens for our shooters where if we can, you know, set them up and, and get solid screens, we should get clean looks uh, because the deep drop won't allow you know the center to be up contesting those. So that part of the strategy changes a little bit, uh, but we still want to be in attack mode. Well, Coach, congratulations on the season opening win. It'll be great to have the home fans, a full house for you guys uh, tomorrow night, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Yeah, good to be back on, and uh, we're, excited. Uh, we're excited for tomorrow night in the, in the home opener. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. Yeah, have a good one. All right, you too. That's the head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton, joining us. Some really interesting things about the details of what they're doing, the continuity, and uh, getting even better in a different type of team tomorrow against the Utah Jazz. We'll talk more about that in our next hour. Much more straight ahead right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.